Hello, welcome to Why Does This Keep Happening to Me? Today, I'm going to be sharing my story about uh, my past life regression and just sharing a little bit of information. I learned about that along the way. Um, I've taken a couple weeks break from our podcast, so thank you for joining me again. Um, I would like for this to be a continuation of the podcast I released a few weeks ago regarding my spiritual awakening. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, it'd be really helpful, I think, to get the background story to this one. So as a continuation to that, uh, after I returned from that retreat, I want to share with you how I came about discovering hypnosis and past life regression and how I have seen that be helpful, not only for my life, but for a lot of my patients and clients' lives. When I was doing my internship, I guess for medical school, it would be called a residency. I had a really great supervisor who was from India, and he taught me hypnosis. At the time, we were using hypnosis more for physical conditions, like physical ailments, getting to the root of those, and figuring out how um, subconscious beliefs were creating or feeding into uh, medical conditions or painful conditions. So just as a background for you all that have not read or been exposed to hypnosis, hypnosis has been around for thousands of years and it's come in and out of popularity. Um, but basically um, it has been used for a whole variety of issues from surgery to phobias to habit breaking and it's been used on thousands of patients for uh, for different medical um, t- medical procedures, including amputation. So the mind has this amazing ability to turn off pain or to decrease it. And it's you, hypnosis is used to really focus your concentration and get you into a deep level of relaxation and concentration so that you're not distracted and that you're able to access your subconscious mind. So your subconscious mind carries um, a lot of memories. It is not logical or linear. It gives you a lot of creative solutions to problems. It's not limited by time or space. And it we usually don't have access to it. So it's just below our conscious awareness. So when we get into a trance-like state, which we actually do all the time throughout the day, we go in and out of trance all day, uh, we reach these level. we can reach this level of um, being in touch with our subconscious mind. If you have found yourself driving somewhere and you arrive and you don't recall how you got there, you haven't paid attention, that is an example of hypnosis. Or if you are reading a book or watching a movie and someone's speaking to you and you don't hear them, you're in a hypnotic trance. So this is not something mysterious or difficult. It's just something that we go in and out of regularly throughout the day. When we use it psychotherapeutically, we are, you know, with intention doing it to 
uh, get to a you know to a certain issue to a certain memory to help with a problem that is coming up in a person's life. So after I learned my hypnosis, I um, with my supervisor in New Jersey, I was at a hospital called the Holy Name Hospital. Um, then I went on and I took some trainings with different organizations on how to use it in therapy. And then um, I'm going to fast forward to the year that I re- that I went on to that retreat that I spoke about on that pot on my last podcast on my spiritual awakening, where I returned from my retreat, and I had this um, renewed sense of love and joy and um, purpose, and I had that freedom that came about, and also this intense curiosity to learn more and to go deeper. So I was very much connected to, I guess what you would, I would call, I call spirit. Um, This is also what I've talked about with um, being connected to synchronicities and an energy around you and following that, following it intuitively to take you where it's supposed to take you. So I had been started, you know, started to meditate and read a lot. And I stumbled upon this book uh, through, it was an Ayurvedic healing person I had gone to in Georgetown. And she said to me at the end of our appointment, have you read Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss? And I said, no, I've never heard of it. So I immediately went and got this book and I was flying to Greece. I think it was that week. I was sitting in the airport and I was reading this book and I was so immersed in it that I looked up and the flight I was about to get on was, was boarded and they were about to close the gate. So I immediately, it's like, Oh my God, I'm so into this book. So I got onto my flight. I was the last person on, they were about to close the gate. And then when I got on the flight, I finished the book. So I finished this book in one sitting and I was fascinated by it because I had never heard of past life regression. And Dr. Brian Weiss, who wrote the book, he tells his story of how he became exposed to this. Now, Dr. Brian Weiss is a um, Columbia grad. He went to Yale Medical School. Then he went to Yale for his psychiatry residency. And then he was the head of psychiatry at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami. So when he stumbled upon this, idea or this experience um, with one of his patients, Um, he explains in the book how he had this reservation about going public with his findings because of the medical community and how he might be received. So in the book that I strongly suggest you read, (laughs) um, he's talking about a lady that he um, had hypnotized because she had a phobia or a, a choking on her medication. I believe that's what it was. So he regressed her and she went to a past life and she recalled drowning in a past life. And then um, a bunch of other things that were very significant to Dr. Weiss, but her phobia immediately disappeared after that session. So even though he was skeptical, he saw that there was some value to this, whether it was real or fictional Uh, whether it was imagined or metaphorical, that this lady now was essentially healed. 
So he began using this with a lot of his patients and with, with great success. So when I was reading my book in my plane, in the plane, I, when I completed it in the back, it had his website. So when I arrived in Greece, I went onto the website and I found that he had a training coming up in a few months at the Omega Institute, which I have been to several times and I love, love, love. And the, the five day training was completely booked. There was a wait list. So I, I went on the wait list and at the conclusion of my time in Greece, after a few weeks, I was notified that I had made, made it into the class that I was taking off the wait list and I had made it into the class. So I, again, going on gut, just as I described in my, my other podcast, completely going on my gut, didn't know anyone that had gone to any of his retreats and had not known anybody that had done past life regression. I went to this five day training at that time I had met my husband. So that was, um, because I was starting that relationship and just starting, you know, just like this different chapter of my life. So I arrive at the Omega Institute and it is like this beautiful campus in upstate New York and Rhinebeck. And it's um, just so peaceful and serene. And you begin the training right when you arrive and you, you know, you're in the class for five days. There are 125 people in my class. And so each day he would choose two or three people to hypnotize on stage. And then the rest of the time we would do uh, group hypnosis and trainings and teachings and things like that. So for those of you that haven't read anything about regression, it's basically that because our subconscious mind is not limited by time, space, and logic, and it's very creative. It is, if we can access it, we can access memories that we are not consciously aware of. And because it's not limited by time and space, we can access memories before this life. And um, so there is also this other, this phenomenon that Freud had this this term he had coined called repetition compulsion that we all engage in. And Freud had discovered that whenever we have a trauma in our life or a feeling of powerlessness, that we tend to compulsively, um, irresistibly reenact these traumas. So we have this irresistible urge to re and act emotional, painful experiences that have occurred in our past. And there's another psychiatrist named Ernest Jones who also talked about this, this blind impulse to repeat earlier experiences and situations, irrespective of any advantage you have for doing so. And so no matter how painful it is, we tend to repeat harmful and destructive behaviors, and we feel compelled to do this because we have this unconscious desire to fix it. And so as I was on my healing path that I had come back from Sedona, I knew there is still so much to uncover because if we have these compulsions to repeat and recreate past experiences that we all do, which is why I named my podcast, Why Does This Keep Happening to Me? Um, we have to find ways to get to that and figure out why we keep doing things that we're doing. 
And so there are so many different avenues to that. But with past life regression, I felt that, okay, well, if there's a past life component to this, then why not clear that too? I'm open, right? We have to be open to all these different modalities of healing. And when we are skeptical, that's okay. We can be skeptical, but we have to be skeptical and curious and educate ourselves as opposed to discounting and dismissing, which every, anytime I brought up this idea of past life regressions, most of the time I met with an eye roll or a dismissiveness to which I respond, you don't know what you don't know. And there are, there's a plethora of research out there to support the benefit of past life regression. And there's actually an entire department at UVA dedicated to past life regression, near-death experiences, and uh, paranormal experiences. So, you know, if there's a an entire um, university department dedicated to this, then there is some validity to it. So, okay, so I start the class and there's just this amazing group of people. Like I said, there were 125 people from all over the world. There were people in this class from Japan and Spain and Italy and Canada and Australia and Florida and I mean, all over the world. And we all came together and there are no coincidences. I, the people I ended up sitting with, meeting and connecting with, I am still in touch with to this day. And this was in 2008. So 14 years later, I'm still in contact with a lot of these people And I was, I believe it was the third day into the training and I had seen so many um, hypnosis, uh, like different amazing things happen with the demonstrations. So my roommate who was sitting next to me in the class, um, he says, who can, you know, who would like to volunteer for the next regression? And she pointed to me. And I was kind of like mortified, like, oh, my God, I'm going to go up on stage and be hypnotized. And he picked me. So I go up and he performed what is a rapid induction. And basically, instead of going doing the standard slow, um, the slow induction where it takes you a few minutes to go into trance, he hypnotized me in about 30 seconds. It's very rapid. And I was very deep and you are also very much aware of what is going on in your environment, but you're in an incredibly focused and relaxed state. So he, he regresses me back and and we're talking about, okay, think about what an issue you're dealing with currently and go back. That's giving you any discomfort or, or difficulty in your life and go back to the earliest time you remember. So initially I went back to uh, being born, not that it didn't relate, but I remember the details of being born. I remember the first days of my life and being in my parents' apartment. And I recall even the sheets having flowers on them and there being flowers on the bedstand, on the stand next to us. And I also recalled my mother feeling somewhat, I don't know if the word trapped, but it was kind of like she had come from another country 
you know, just a year prior from Greece and, you know, left her mother, her father, her sister, her cousins, all of those people. And I imagine that must have been very difficult. And so now having your firstborn child, this realization that I'm never going back, I'm here now. And, you know, being very much, we are very much connected in the womb with our mothers. And so I, I had, I did bring this up with my mother and I asked her if all of this was accurate and she did confirm that I had never had this realization before. So um, then we go back earlier and I end up in this life as a native American male. And I have always felt this intense connection to native Americans. And I looked around because we, we travel in our soul and soul families. Brian Weiss talks about this, that we have souls in our family and that we travel with throughout lives. And we may become their mother or their brother or their husband or their, you know, friend, whatever we, we switch roles depending on the karmic imbalance that we have to pay back. And in my past life, I, my, my brother was my son and I don't recall my parents there, but what I do recall was that I felt that I was a medicine man and I felt very inadequate. So I was in a tribe and I had a large family and I could see my clothing, um, the cot I was sleeping on the, where we, where we lived, what we ate. I knew the rules of the tribe and I described it as, um, feeling that I was inadequate because I was a poor hunter and that hunting was very much valued in the tribe because you brought food into the tribe. And I felt so inadequate because I was such a poor hunter and had no interest in it. And I felt like my status in the tribe and the way my family would be treated in the tribe was going to be, um, you know, limited by this, this inability that I had. And so he fast forwards you, Brian Weiss fast forwards me to the end of my life, which is where we do the life review of what was the purpose or the lesson to be learned from that life. And I was on my deathbed and I could see all of my loved ones around me and what I had learned. And what I learned was that we are all equal, that the hunters are no more important than the gatherers or the weapon makers or the mothers or the, you know, the people that are putting a tent together and decorating it. There was no difference in all of these different jobs. They were all valuable and more importantly, interrelated. So I was explaining how if the person that made the tools to hunt with didn't make the tools, we couldn't hunt. If the person that prepared the food didn't do that, we wouldn't eat. If we didn't have a cot to lay on or a tent to sleep in, we wouldn't be protected. If we didn't have a medicine man to heal, we wouldn't survive. 
And I was just spewing out all of this knowledge that I knew. I just knew that I knew and that I taught the tribe to appreciate everyone equally and to see and feel the interrelatedness of the group. And that's, you know, that was something that in my current life at that point, I believe that I had this sense of, well, you know, the sense of I'm not, maybe not smart enough, or maybe not whatever enough, this not enough feeling, because I've always struggled with, um, like, I, I believe I have a learning disability in math, and so I, I never understood math and science, I didn't understand things that were valued, right, valued in school, valued in society. And so there was always this feeling of, well, yeah, I'm good at this, but this other thing that's really important and valued in society, I am not good at. And so there was this kind of like, I have to hide that there's sense of insecurity, um, the sense of, well, like maybe women are not as valuable as men, this just, you know, some insecurities that we all have. And when I was realizing all of these lessons I learned from me being a medicine man and being a healer and seeing the goodness and the value of everyone and the interconnectedness of all, I understood that the group is only as strong as all of us together. Um, so when I came out of this trance, I think it was about 45 minutes, I recalled a couple of more lives, actually, in the course of that. One of them, I was... Um, in like a Victorian time. And I was wearing, I remember I was wearing like this dress that was binding me. Like I couldn't breathe. It was like a corset, a corset. And it was binding my, you know, my ribs and my belly. And I was wearing like a choker on my throat and a wig on my head. And it was tight. And the shoes were so tight and uncomfortable. And I was of uh, like a higher, like a high class royalty. Like, I mean, I don't think I was royalty, like a queen, but I was in a family like that. And I recall feeling so constricted and so uh, limited by the wealth, by all of that status and feeling that because of the royal, you know, having to wear all these binding tight clothing and tight um, constricting rules that I was actually not free. I was very much trapped. And that, when he asked me about that, like what lesson there was to be learned from that life, I believe it was more, what I had come up with was that, um, that wealth and money is not comfort. And it, I mean, of course we need it, but it's not what gives you freedom. Um, it, it's not what gives you, uh, you know, it can be very constricting, right? The rules that are around it and the expectations that are around it. And so um, that was that life. And then the last life I had was in the 1960s, which is so interesting that I know so many of the songs from the 1960s that like word for word, <laughs> and I don't really understand how I know them. And I feel such a resonance with them, but I was in the sixties and there was this, um, 
and I was really into um, using drugs and alcohol. And that resonated for a period as well. You know, this kind of like self-destructive feeling that I had at that time and that I have had in this life. So I come out of this trans and as I open my eyes, the room of 125 souls, most of them were crying. And I was kind of like taken aback, like, why is everybody crying? What what happened? What did I say? And then people started to come up to me and say, oh my God, that was so beautiful. I wrote it down. I recorded it. And it was just so like prophetic. And I was like, well, I don't know where I came up with it. That just came to me. I didn't, you know, I didn't make that up. It was just like, I knew it was like knowledge inside of me. And then, um, and then I connected with a girl, a lady who was from Spain and she had been regressed the day before. And we just immediately connected as if we knew each other and, we had very few conversations, but we still talk on Facebook and you know different ways like that through email. And it was just that we both experienced this sense of catharsis, the sense of um, release and healing. And immediately following her regression and my regression, um, TMI, too much information, but we both had our, like our cycle started and wasn't supposed to, we were completely off. It was supposed, you know, I, my cycle wasn't supposed to start. My menstrual cycle wasn't supposed to start for a couple more weeks. And it was like, my body just was cleansing itself and felt clear. And that happened to her as well. So from that point on, you know, then I returned home and I just, I think this is where now my commitment to equality and um, civil rights and just becoming knowledgeable and educating people to becoming aware of how we are all interconnected and that we are all valuable no matter what no matter who, that one is not more valuable than another because the whole system collapses without our interdependence, no matter what you do, no matter who you are. And that, that really just sparked after that regression. So if you want to read more about this, you can just look, there's so many books, but Brian Weiss, he has a website. He has also read this, written this other book that I love to call Through Time Into Healing and how we heal throughout our lifetimes and how we are in this life right now because we have chosen it. We have chosen this incarnation. We have chosen our parents. We've chosen to rebalance karmic imbalances. There are people that we have wronged or we have put out negative energy to. We have to reap that. We have to have that become balanced again. The the karmic responsibility has to be balanced. It's not 
right or wrong or good or bad. I think people get hung up on right and wrong and good and bad. And it's not, it's not necessarily right or wrong. It just is. And um, another great, great book is uh, by Gary Zukoff, The Seed of the Soul. He talks about this and he says, you know, we all have a soul, our purpose in our soul and we all have karmic debts to pay and others have karmic debts to pay to us. And there, there are opportunities that are given to us that will continue to be given to us until we get it. So if you have something that keeps repeating in your life, that keeps happening to you, it's going to keep happening to you until you get it. It's going to keep happening to you until you figure out what it is that has to change and be learned and be healed. And that has to be through openness, not avoidance, not avoidance of discomfort, but through openness. So check out those those books and uh, read up on this and be open. And you know, you don't know what you could find. You don't know how this might be contributing to you currently. So thank you so much for allowing me to share this with you. And if you have any comments or questions, you can email us at office at delraypsych.com and give us any ideas for any future shows and uh, subscribe, listen to our podcast wherever you find podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and other platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Why does this keep happening to me? Goodbye. Yeah.